0: Like a swish through the twine just before the shot clock expires, we have arrived just before you had a chance to miss us. Welcome to episode number five, MVPs, Realities, and Opinion as Fact, here on Reteaching the Game. I am your host, Ethan Noroff, and I am thrilled to have you along with me. We are going to get into a number of topics on this episode, including... Paul George's MVP case, including the 29 and 30 Lakers, where this team now sits, including the Anthony Davis situation and the latest saga, and what is ahead for AD and the Pelicans, including a rumor that came about regarding the Knicks and zooming out on that rumor and really looking at what it means in terms of our consumption of information. And finally, of course, we have to leave you with a TED Talk or some sort of motivational piece. And that is what we are going to do. As a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to Reteaching the Game on Apple Podcasts. Please make sure you leave a review, hit that five-star rating. We'd love to hear from the listeners. You can follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ethan underscore Norov, N-O-R-O-F. For anyone new here, welcome in. For anyone returning, welcome back. No matter what your entry point was, you are now part of a growing audience, and I could not be more humbled to have you listening. Paul George's MVP case. What a time to be Paul George. Spurn the Lakers has success in OKC. And those people who said that Paul George would never be the same after his leg injury, you're right. You were right. He's better than ever now. So Paul George, of course he has an MVP case. Does he have the leading MVP case in my book? Absolutely not. But let's look at Paul George's MVP case and the power of the narrative, right? As we just mentioned, he spurns the Lakers in free agency, a move that so many expected. And even PG-13 himself said, yeah, this is something I was pretty much going to do until this happened. And what happened was OKC took that chance by trading for him with one year left on his contract, and they convinced him to stay. That culture, that bond with Russell Westbrook, that team, that community, the coaching staff, everybody involved, they recruited Paul George successfully. And he's enjoying success with Russell Westbrook, which is a rare item in OKC's recent track record. Right? Both of these things, the spurning of the Lakers, being embraced by the community, The success with Westbrook, all three of those things, and the fact that Paul George is having the best season of his career, of course, this is going to propel his narrative forward. And that's what we have to consider in MVP votes, the power of the narrative. Because when it comes to what an MVP truly is, for almost everybody, it's going to be at least a slightly different definition. And with that slightly different definition comes a different set of expectations, no matter how slight and in some cases, very large. This is an important concept to consider. This is why personally I feel strongly about having two awards, one that is the best player of the year and one that is the most valuable player. I think those are two very different things. And I think what we're going to see this year more than ever in the NBA is the power of the narrative being leveraged, especially with how competitive some teams are that we didn't necessarily expect. We've heard about James Harden's MVP case because he put the Rockets on his back without Chris Paul in the lineup, and that's understandable. It's even predictable, especially given the run that Harden has been on. But in all sincerity, Harden is no better than third on my MVP ladder. And that's being generous. Giannis and Jokic. Those are the two names we need to really be talking about. And I know, of course, there is plenty of conversation about both of those stars. Superstars. But Giannis and Jokic... Not only do they have their teams wildly exceeding expectations with the Milwaukee Bucks and Denver Nuggets, respectively, but they have firmly established themselves on the NBA superstar level. There are no more questions left. And for some of us, there were no questions about Giannis coming into this season, except for one, how good can he, how good can he be? What is the ceiling? But for Jokic, I think there were more questions. There was a little bit more uncertainty. And to say that he's effectively and emphatically answered them would be an understatement. But when we all sit here and consider what an MVP should be or what it is, bias plays a role in that process. Right? With definition, with expectations comes bias. So we really need to deconstruct what it means to be an MVP. As it relates to Paul George, yes, he has a case. Yes, of course James Harden has a case. But Giannis and Jokic, those are the guys for me. At least at the time of this recording. And if nothing changes, I think those two guys should be out in front of the pack. And what a statement for the NBA. To have two international players out front. This game is global on every level now. The growth of the NBA feels limitless. In my lifetime, it wouldn't surprise me to see European expansion. How cool would that be? There's a long way until we get there. But it would just be something unbelievable for this game. And I look forward to seeing how that unfolds, if it does. Moving on to the Lakers. As we all know on this show, the Lakers are near and dear to my heart. I grew up on Kobe. Have seen plenty of success. And now, after watching Kobe for my entire childhood, teenage years, into college years, to now have LeBron on this franchise, it speaks for itself. But in year one of LeBron... I don't think anyone within the Lakers anticipated being behind both the Kings and the Clippers and out of the playoff picture. The Lakers are now 29 and 30. 1 game under 500. We are 3 quarters into the season. Just about. This is not a good place to be. And the Lakers, of course, have had some injury issues this year. Fairly significant ones. Lonzo Ball is missed right now. There's no question. And it sounds like he's going to be out for at least another couple of weeks. But this is about more than injuries. This is about the Lakers losing because of effort. To get run by a Pelicans team on the second night of a back-to-back for that club without Anthony Davis is embarrassing. That is an inexcusable loss. And the Lakers have had too many of those types of losses this year. I don't mind And no fan really should care if their team loses because the other team was simply better. Maybe they performed better on that given night. It was just one of those nights. Or they simply had more talent. It's hard to be mad about that. But when you feel like your team lost because of effort, because they were out-efforted, it's infuriating. And that's what it's felt like too many times with this Lakers squad this year. We've talked on this podcast about how the Lakers can't just outscore teams and win. There's not a commitment to defense. Right now, the Lakers have two players on the floor who are playing defense, Brandon Ingram and Reggie Bullock. JaVale McGee uses his athleticism well, but he's not always in the correct position. And it's very frustrating because it has felt like this team has taken steps back defensively. The cohesiveness is missing. The chemistry isn't there. Yes, injuries have played a part, but a team with LeBron James, despite the fact that he missed nearly a quarter of the season, flanked by the young talent Of Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball when he was healthy, Josh Hart. It's hard to say what exactly is missing. But it doesn't feel like it might be found before the end of this particular season, whenever that may be. If the Lakers miss the playoffs, it is a blow to their chances at acquiring a star via trade whether that's Anthony Davis or anyone else it is a statement on those guys whether it is fair or not so the Lakers need to be hoping to get into the playoffs a to save face truly but b because they need those young guys to be valuable one way or another And despite the fact that the Lakers continue to play at an inconsistent level, I think Brandon Ingram and the level of his play deserves to be recognized. He is this team's best defender, most willing defender, and a weapon at that end of the floor. If you're just looking at the box score and evaluating Brandon Ingram, or really any other player, you're doing it wrong. It's a disservice in terms of evaluating the overall player. And Ingram offensively has started to come around. He's talked about being more aggressive, and it's helped that he spent more time with the ball in his hands. Without Lonzo on the court and with Rondo coming off the bench, Ingram has taken on that point guard role that yielded him a lot of success last year. And I'm glad that the Lakers are doing that. I hope that that continues. But in Brandon Ingram's Lakers career, and by default his NBA career, he's been asked to play such a variety of roles and been surrounded by such different rosters. And he still got better every year, and he's still only 21. So whether it's his unseen defensive value by some, or the fact that he's been asked to play so many roles without the consistency that you would hope for in player development, it's worth considering. And like LeBron with this particular roster, Ingram's game is sort of compromised by a lack of spacing. Now he's done a much better job of using his length and his natural athleticism to his advantage in a variety of spots. But that's part of the learning curve. Remember that so much of how we view performance is circumstantial. So to sit here and say that Kyle Kuzma is a better player than Brandon Ingram and we should trade. If you're a Lakers fan and you sit here and say we should trade Brandon Ingram ahead of Kyle Kuzma in any deal. I don't agree with that. To me, Ingram is the player worth developing if you have to choose one. And I might be in the minority, and that's fine. I'm used to that. That's why we do this podcast. Encourage original thinking. Right? Don't be afraid to go against the grain. Say what you see, not what other people tell you. Call it like it is, not what other people want it to be. Speaking of the Pelicans and Anthony Davis, this whole situation has become a bad look for everybody involved. I understand why Anthony Davis made his trade request when he did. I think everybody understands it. But it's been poorly handled by all parties. It really has. And now, as Michael Lee from The Athletics said a few weeks ago on Twitter, It's a waste of AD's talent and a waste of all of our times. He's right. And time is the only investment that we can never get back. It's a bad look for the league because it's just hanging out there and it's creating the wrong type of conversation. It's a bad look for the Pelicans because they continue to look dysfunctional and without direction when it comes to ultimately setting a goal. And I realize there's no pressure on them to make a deal because AD is still under contract for the foreseeable future and through the summer of 2020. But I think decisiveness helps with optics. And the Pelicans right now, fair or not, don't have the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And it's a bad look for Davis. Honestly, Because we can't see him play. It's a bad look for Davis because it feels like maybe he got some bad advice. And it's a bad look for Davis because he can't reconcile his relationship with that fan base, with that organization. It is what it is, and it's not changing. So, AD does deserve some blame in this picture, right? He's definitely not blameless. But right now, it's just all hanging over the NBA, and that's not a good look for the league. Of course, I'm not saying that it's irreparable damage. The NBA is bulletproof, almost. It's built a really strong brand under Adam Silver. Much more than the previous commissioner, David Stern. But that's a whole other conversation. So, of course, we all expect Davis to be traded this summer, but this summer is still far away. And right now, the Pelicans, if you're a Pelicans fan, you have to be frustrated because anything this team does well, any player on this team or as a whole, it's all under the shadow of Anthony Davis. And, and that recognition goes to the wayside. So if I were a Pelicans fan, I'd be frustrated. Totally understandable. Beyond. Beyond. I want to get into this rumor that I came across on the, on the interwebs, as some of us like to call it, and specifically on the NBC Sports basketball, Pro Basketball Talk blog. It's run by Kurt Heelan, and it just, just so happens that ESPN's Zach Lowe had an interesting quote on his podcast recently. And what Zach Lowe said was, quote, I don't think he, and in this case, he being Kristaps Stapp's Porzingis, was psyched about playing with Durant. I don't know how directly that was verbalized to the Knicks, but I'm confident that it wasn't something that was his plan A. He wanted to be the face of the franchise, end quote. And so that quote was presented as fact on Twitter by those people listening to it. And as we know on basketball Twitter, it's like pouring gasoline on an open fire with something like that. And it spread, and it spread rather quickly. But the three words to start that quote, I don't think, is that fact or opinion? And if it's then presented as fact, if it's reported by other outlets or influential social media contribu- contributors as something that is factual? How does that influence the conversation that we have? We talked about our role in sharing information. I don't think this was fact. And that's what we're saying as opinion as fact. We can't isolate. And then present and expect it to hold the same value. It is tremendously, tremendously important to understand this concept. If I give my opinion on something on this particular podcast, that is my opinion. And it's supported by facts. It's supported by evidence. But the opinion... Peace cannot just be taken out and then presented as fact without anything else behind it. That is incredibly important to understand. So when we talk about how rumors get started, this is a great example. This is a great example. It is so important to be responsible in how information is communicated. We cannot all just be aggregates of each other. That's how we wind up with mimicry. And in a world that rewards people who stand out, why is there such a desire to blend in? Conformity is garbage. I'm not sitting here and telling you to rebel and be an anarchist and do something extreme. But be proud to be you. Why would you want to be the next anyone else when you could be the first you? Think about that. Finally, I got to leave you with the TED Talk of the episode. I know you guys were waiting for this. And in this particular episode, we do not have an actual TED Talk. Again, a lot of these are going to be videos that fit that mantra, but are not specifically TED sponsored or TED productions. This one is from Motivation Hub. Denzel Washington's life advice will leave you speechless. It features Will Smith. It's approximately 10 minutes in length. One of my favorite Denzel Washington quotes. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. What a brilliant line. I hope you enjoy the video. Episode number five, loved being with you guys. Can't wait for episode number six. Remember, leave a review, hit that five star rating and make sure to tell all your friends about reteaching the game.